Welcome to the Badass Adventure Radio Podcast, where we celebrate stories of adversity and triumph in the outdoors, on the seas, and in the field. For our first podcast, we talked to Steve Barger, Special Forces veteran, survivalist, and full-time father. Right. Let's just start there. So, are, uh, are you recording yet? Yeah. Okay. Go for it. So, we're good with language? Or yeah. Does, does that matter? No, it doesn't matter. Fuck, drop the right. F-bombs, don't fucking matter. All right. Like, this is not going <laughs> to be PG-13 podcast. Okay. This, yeah, is, so, this is mad uh, shit. So, um, here we are, I guess. Uh, by the way, hey, hey, like I smoke? Like, fucking Cohibas are delicious, man. Good smokes, man. That is good it's smokes. Really good. Glad Dad sent us up with these. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I'm um, doing something... But anyway, so yeah, last year I went over top of, um, oh, what was that falls? Roaring Run Falls. Yeah. Over there in, uh, over there in Botetite. So, um, I set out, it was, uh, it was actually in the fall, uh, right after winter, it got, right after winter, right before summer, right after winter got done. Um, packed up my gear, bro, and took, uh, took my little survival rifle and <laughs> my little, a little one-man uh, fishing pole and some snares and some traps. Um, Tell me what the conditions were like. What, like. what temperature was it? It was still pretty cold. It was uh, the wind was blowing that weekend. It was crazy wind that weekend. Um, you know, you're you're from Georgia. I don't know. You you've got to experience a, a full year here yet. But the wind blows uh, at all the all the worst times around Virginia, especially over in the damn mountains. Oh yeah, howling crosswinds at thirty miles an hour. It was it was insane. Uh, so I didn't take I didn't take a shelter. Um, I took my uh, I took my my hammock and you know just a few basic survival tools, man. Um, fire starter. I said my hammock. Uh, I took a drop mat and I just went out, bro. Um, what was day one like for you? What, what happened? Day one was nothing but like talking to people on the way up. They were asking me what I was doing because they saw me with my pack. They thought I was actually lost off the AT. <laughs> <laughs> and I told them no. That uh, told them I was, I, was hiking over, I was hiking over the mountain for the weekend and I was going to come back on Monday. And um, I got up uh, maybe about halfway. The hike to the falls is, is not bad. It's only maybe about an hour hike, maybe an hour and a half. Um, depending if you're going to stop and, you know, take pictures and let your kids play or do whatever. But, um, it's a, it's fairly easy novice hike. All right. All right. So got up there. Um, I wanted to do the, the, you know, the entire, the entire experience. So I was like, screw it. I'll just drop down in my skivvies, man. I'm going to go swimming for a bit. <laughs> so, I <laughs> got up to the falls, um, dropped down to my skivvies, and people were like, "No, you're you're not getting in that water. It's like, water's like straight out of the mountain. It's like forty two degrees. It's not even summer yet." So I was like, "Yeah." So I jumped in the water, man, and uh, took my breath away for for a minute or two. Screamed a bit. Um, got out and uh, lit me a fire right there. And um, just kind of chilled out and enjoyed the scenery for a little bit, and you know, planned out what the rest of my weekend was going to be like. So I decided that I would, uh, I would camp in place. Uh, I would hike. Well, I would ignore the "don't go past the fall" sign <laughs> at the top, and uh, and hike over the falls. So I did, and um, man, it was just absolutely beautiful up there, man. There's n- once you get off the tour scenic route, it yeah. is, it's is magnificent man there's magnolia bushes everywhere there's freaking i mean at that point in time they were starting to bloom so that you know the white magnolias were up oh nice um had dip like deep thick mountain laurel on both Ooh. sides so it was like it's prime critter territory man yeah so it's like man i'll just camp in place so nice. i uh i broke out some of my my rations i hadn't had time to hunt yet or uh or I, I, I was actually planning on doing some fishing on the way up, but kind of got distracted by the people, so I didn't get to I didn't get to do that fishing on the way up, which is fine by me. 
I had a good breakfast that morning, so I really went long and hungry. But yeah, so uh, I broke out the old, uh, the old old timer big machete and started hacking, <laughs> hacking stuff down, man. Straight up bushwhacking, man. Yeah. yeah, that's where you find the most beautiful places in the world, you know, like isolated from the foot traffic, from where people normally go, and you just get like just a pure environment. That's what. That, I don't, that's one thing I don't people don't they don't get they they don't get to get out and experience nature for what it is they get the they get the bought and paid for you know stuff <laughs> yeah. you know you, you pull your vehicle in you pay for your ticket you go out to the little pond or the recreational facility they have for the kids you know you get to walk around and listen to your kids scream yell and fight and <laughs> you know you get to yeah. take your you roll your cooler out and unpack your lunch eat your you know eat whatever you're gonna eat for the day pack it back up throw it in the garbage can that they've got provided for you and you peace out yes but, like up there, where we're, we're, you know, where we're so far away from the actual natural beauty of of the mountains, man, is it's people need to get out and see it more. It's it's fabulous. It's relaxing, and that's what's part of your survival weekend, kind yeah. of like just getting beyond the normal masses. Yeah, outside of cell phone range. Yeah, outside of sulfur range, put yourself in a little bit of danger going beyond the do not cross falls sign. Yeah. Right? And and getting down to what, what it means to have, to be a man in the woods and depend oh, yeah. on yourself. Man man card fully intact at this yeah. point in time. <laughs> fully intact. No no corner snipped there. Nope, not at all, man. So like so tell me tell me what the the night was like. Tell me, going through the evenings. What so was that, like? that that night, um, actually probably around four thirty five ish. I um, I did. I got a little hungry. Um, I carry a. It's a Chippewa twenty two breakdown rifle. Mm-hmm. It's a little survival pack rifle that I can fold up and put in my pack, and I carry you know, some hollow point twenty twos with me. Um, I decided to screw it. You know, I'm I'm gonna go maybe whack me a squirrel. So, I go out and I sit. I sit right, right underneath this big old white oak tree. That's um, I don't know, maybe about sixty, seventy yards for, for some beech nut trees. Squirrels yeah. love beech nut trees. Um, so yeah, um, actually about after like ten minutes of sitting there, man, these little you know these little squirrels uh, come down there and start you know gnawing away on beech nuts and you know running around. So I was like, screw it. So I you know I shot one. So uh, went and got my squirrel. Um, had my, I just dug a you know a, you know a regular um, regular fire pit man and and skinned him up, roasted him up. Sat there by myself, um, right there beside the stream. So the only thing that I had was man I had the you know I had the stream right in front of me. I had you know a nice cozy warm fire. Um, <laughs> I had a little bit of dinner. You know that's and that's. Anything, everything a man could ask yeah. for, right and, there, man. And, you know, and the basic needs of survival is is shelter, water, and food. And I had all of it, you know, right there. And yeah, I was only out there for not even, you know, not even a full day yet. But a full belly will make the, you know, the serenity of of where you're at just go away. You know, you've got everything you need right there. So, so it makes it just that much yeah, better. It makes yeah. it that much better. Yeah. Yeah, I, oh man, when I was, oh, when I was in my teens, I was a survival instructor for the Boy Scouts, and our instructor, of course, we had, a, we spent two and a half weeks just bush, bushcrafting. Yeah. So no, no sleeping, we couldn't bring a sleeping bag. We could, we could bring uh, uh, rain gear, mm-hmm. and that was it. Like, I had maybe a shelter half, but I had to create everything on my own. With you know knife, I had like a uh, what I have? Uh, liter one liter. Uh, what do we call them? Nalgene's the dang Nalgene's. Had one of those, and that was and a knife, and that was about it. We had to make our own rope. We had to make everything, anything we had in our pockets. It's all we had to use. And we made our shelters, and we slept in our shelters for a few days, and. Uh, before going out there, we went out in canoes across the lake. 
before we get to the other side, in the middle of the lake, everybody dumped over and got wet. <laughs> everybody's everybody's gear got wet. Everybody's all their clothing is wet. All everything's wet. We bail out the canoe. Canoe's half sunk with water, paddling hard. It's all you know. This is somewhat the the summertime ish. You know, it's about to get the summertime. Looking at the spring um, in Georgia, but sometimes in the, the mountains there they play havoc on you a little bit. Yeah. It'll, get, it'll, it'll get cold. It'll get chilly. Uh, so that night it was chilly. It got down in the 40s. So you're wet, 40 degree weather. You know there is a recipe for hypothermia. So we went through our whole protocols. You know like strip off down to your base layers, build your campfire, use the heat and air and wind to dry out your gear. Yeah. Um, and then then you got to focus on food because last time you ate was what five this morning, right? Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> you know, that's the last time we ate and we've been working all day, paddle across the lake, got wet. Now we're, we're you know lights dying quick um you gotta set up your shelter you gotta start your fire and we, we worked as a team you know, just because we had a whole group of guys going through it so we worked as a team uh people set up shelters people set up the fire keep that going and collect firewood everybody has a job and everybody has a job in that that team environment scouts love that that's what that's what keeps everyone going at a certain oh, yeah. point especially you know three four days long after you know, that first night, a little uncomfortable. Yeah. Right? Second second day, you're still doing activities and rebuilt and doing the primitive skills and building your shelter up more. Um, in the military, I learned that's defense in depth, you know. Oh, yeah, you're, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> always, oh, always be working on your position. Yeah, always improve your shelter. Yep. And, um, and but by that end of that second day the second night you're just done you're just so exhausted you don't care you're on rocks like yeah. the night before that kept you awake you're just you're out you're done you're tired and that third day you work and you're like with the five other dudes <laughs> and you're all 16 17 18 a couple guys are in their 20s you're just like looking at each other and you're just pissed off <laughs> Man, we ain't got nothing. I don't like any of y'all right now. I want to go home. You're all, you're all angry at each other, yeah, and you're, and you're all just trying to, trying to just get through the experience, the mutual suffering, and eventually, there's always that one guy, the comedian. There's, there's always a comedian. Oh yeah. And oh he, yeah. You've, he you've keeps your, everyone going. You've got your douchebag. You've got your comedian. You've got the dude that eats everything. You, yep. got the, you got the lover boy, you got the hater, you got the fighter, <laughs> you got the one that always gets everybody put in jail. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. No, man, but you have to have all those characters. And yeah. When I went in the Marine Corps, and I'm sure in as you in the Army, like, those personalities become more apparent. Oh, you gotta have them. <laughs> and then at the end of the day, you have to have those guys. You have to. To, to just survive the, sh- yeah. the shit that you're going through. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh man, absolutely. But um, but yeah. It, after uh, after I got some you know food in my belly that night, I went ahead and hung um I hung my um I hung my hammock in between two trees, and um at this point I was in like this little I was in this little valley, so where the where the creek cuts you know right through the mountains. So I mean it wasn't really all that bad. Yeah. Uh, the wind wasn't. So I was like you know what. I'll just brave it tonight, and you know I slept right there in my hammock, right next to the fire. And um, dude, every everything was everything was stellar. I woke up that morning, and um, of course, fire is you know gone by then. And um, I was like, you know what? I'm you know I'm a little hungry, so um, I broke out the I broke out the old trusty fishing pole, and um, I, I taken a, a you know assortment of like little fishing rigs with me. Um, nothing. That I'm gonna, you know, bring in Moby Dick with. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah. So I go down in this little pool, man. That uh, was right down from um, the little area that I was at. You know, threw it in a few times, and you know, within an hour, I'd actually caught two really nice sized native brookie trout. Ooh. So I was like, hell yeah, breakfast time, bro. <laughs> That's so delicious. I had uh, had me a nice little uh, had me a nice little breakfast. I pulled up some uh, pulled up some wild onions that Ooh. I found, and uh, I always carry uh, a little bit of 
you know, I've, I folded up tinfoil with me in my, in my, you know, my survival pack. So that came in really handy when it comes to cooking. So um, I did that. And then the remainder of the day, um, I actually had my camera with me and uh, continued up through the, continued up through the mountain and just took pictures, man. Just kind of strolled and took pictures of some like really beautiful scenery and nice. sat down, explored, uh, explored my life a little bit and everything that you know my wife and I have gone through, my kids. Um, you know how lucky I was to actually be out where I was at and not have you know a, a bunch of ass fucks around me <laughs> you know, telling me what I should and shouldn't do, and I had I had a lot of fun. So see, like this survival weekend that you do is kind of like your time to explore yourself you know, almost like through your own sort of meditation your own activities I, absolutely experiencing you know mother nature in, in its own you know respect its own regard unmolested yeah. by a lot of people yeah and that, that kind of gives you the time to reflect on yourself and on, on your life I find that just kick ass yeah it's, it's, it's therapeutic you know as well <clears throat> you know I'm I'm I'm, I'm now 36 years old. I have a family of my own. I have a full-time job. I have four kids. Um, I am within within my realm of living. I'm no more in any type of danger anymore yeah. than than your average person. So the when when I left the military, all of my sense of accomplishments. We're, we're gone now. I'm now I'm a rural, domesticated father <laughs> figure, husband guy, and getting out in the woods, man, is 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 my is my man time. It's my I'm still a brute. I got this. You know, there's nothing that they can throw at me out here that I can't handle. Yeah. So and would you, would you say that that's activity for yourself? That you said it's almost necessary for you, absolutely. As a, as a man, to, to just experience and go out and do. Yeah, it. and with me, it's not really a, a necessity. It's more along the lines of. Well, yeah, I would say I would say it's a it's a necessity because if I don't if I can't get out and do it, I get depressed. Yeah, I'll get I'll get bored with the everyday grind, right? Yeah, the everyday grind, the everyday fatherhood yelling at my kids to clean up their rooms or you know yell at my little one to stop digging in and out of the trash can or you know telling my kids to do their dishes and pick up their crap you know I don't have any of that to deal with out there and it's it's it really is a a, a basic weekend of survival for me it's not nothing harsh like I'm out in the, like the desert or something but it's <laughs> I go to these places where it's easy for me to use my skills mm-hmm. um, that I that I did pick up in the special forces, and get out there and and apply them just so I can rehone what I what I know I have. Yeah. And for me, that is fulfilling. Yeah. So, you know, maybe maybe this year I'll go out there with a lot less than I always take with me. And, and, and push myself, you know, even even harder than I normally do. A little bit further. Try, yeah. try, try to find that boundary between, like, you know, reflecting on yourself and then testing yourself. That challenge, that extra extra little push. Yeah. To, like, to see how far you can really maybe, go. Maybe, maybe this year I'll get into that, oh, I may be in a little bit of trouble type <laughs> situation. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Um but it's that that weekend ended um, with me coming back late on a late on a Monday night, um, and that Sunday, um, you know, after I got done all my hiking, um, I really did. I, I spent all day on this on this beautiful, you know, shelter. You know, you know, knocked into knocked into four nice sized oak trees right there together, and I slept off the ground. Had a nice little roof over my head. Had. Um, you know, had a floor, had you know, had some walls. Well, it was more like a lean-to type situation. Yeah. It's um, it three walls and a you know, and a ceiling. No, no, explain. Fabulous. No, no, explain 
why that makes all the difference in the world. Shelter, man. Shelter gets you out of... Gets you kind of out of the elements. And at the... At the same time, you're you're keeping your mind busy, and in a in a real survival situation, you can't sit around and have nothing to do because that will absolutely drive you crazy. Yeah. Having nothing to do, lost in the woods, and and not working towards a resolve uh, toward the end game will will, will drive a, a person crazy. So it's. Did I need a shelter that day? Absolutely not. Was I bored because there was no one else out there to talk to? Hell yeah. <laughs> but it's it's all part of, of it's all part of a skill set that one who's gonna be a hunter, a fisherman, uh, a hiker, a photographer, a wilderness photographer, somebody that may just go out on the AT like like you did. I mean, you were when you went out on the AT, you were you're a novice you were a novice hiker. So, <laughs> oh, yeah. you know, just having some of these small skill sets and having something to to building block off of is absolutely fabulous. Yeah. So. I I wholeheartedly agree. I mean, not, you know, just my boy scout background and then again in the Marine Corps how it was hammered down. But like <laughs> being able to to know that you can survive on your own you know being able to know that you can build a shelter and practice building that shelter so that you know you maintain that skill set and at a, at a certain point it becomes when we were talking about defense in depth and always rebuilding your position I used uh, I came across a little fact I don't know where I got it from um, during my survival instructor course, but I used to always tell uh, the students who I was teaching that it's all about comfort at the end of the day. As, as weird as that concept is, you got a knife, you got a Nalgene, you got nothing else except what you got on your body. When it comes down to survival, it's so stupid, but I, always, I love this analogy. It all comes down to comfort. What's going to make you comfortable right now? Well, getting some water that's actual, actually potable. Okay, that's going to keep you alive. That's going to make you comfortable because you want to be hydrated because you get a headache without it. Absolutely. Your heart beat, you know, beats too much and then you cause injury because of that. And you, for comfort, you want that water. Same thing with food. Food in your belly. A warm meal makes all the difference in the world. Absolutely. Having that warm meal, that's comfortable. Uh, Having that, that shelter starting from very bare bones basic, you know, leaves and pine straw on the damn deck, right? You know, get getting your body off that cold ground where it's gonna suck all the heat from you. That's just the start. Then, then you then you get that ling to to prevent from the wind, and then now you're thatching it with either leaves or vines or pine straw, and you're building upon that each and every day, improving it. And it's getting more and more comfortable to live in that environment. I, I don't know where I got that from. It was just like came with, you know, like the, the, the experience of teaching that, that subject. And it seemed to work, really work for me. And I, I really love that idea of just when you're out there and you got those skills and you have to apply them thinking about just basic comfort it's it's a it's a you know comfort like you're saying comfort (laughs) is a necessity of life people people stay in their in their homes at night because they're comfortable there they don't go they don't go insane because they've got their tv they've got their warm bed they've Mm -hmm. got a refrigerator full of food they've got all the basic necessities of life at their fingertips now, if you can go out in the woods, or you know, you know, the environment by, by the grace of God, yeah. get you know, get lost, you know, heaven forbid, you know how to make the necessities that you need that you need to be comfortable somewhere to sustain to sustain life, and that yeah, that that is absolutely that's that's absolutely a comfort, I believe. Yeah. And that's what all survivalists, you know, try to do. I mean, they have to have, 
you have to have that skill set or else you might not make it out of wherever you're at. <laughs> yeah, and then going into like all, all the little Instagram survivalists and their primitive technologies, there's a couple of them that are fantastic. Like I've seen a dude like right there on a time-lapse video build a chimney. Yeah. Then he forms a form out of, out of bamboo mm -hmm. and creates literally mud shingles and creates a mud hut with mud walls yeah. and then he builds uh, those shingles that he fires in his chimney he puts as his roof and yep. then he continues even further and he creates this little channel underneath his little shelter um, where he places his fire pit not only for cooking but also becomes for warmth because he channels the chimney underneath where he sleeps yeah. I found that freaking fascinating yeah. to watch yeah, it's like Absolutely. it's like 10 15 minutes of this guy time lapse over like several months to build this shelter like, I, if, I love if that. i know I if i absolutely know that night i'm gonna be i'm gonna be sleeping on the ground and it's gonna be cold outside i dig a trench dig a trench man throw them throw them hot embers <laughs> really throw, them, throw them warm embers man from that yeah. fire that you just got done building throw them in a hole man and cover them up with about two inches of dirt that's a that's a warm bed to sleep on you know, the, one of the first things I do when when I when I'm cooking out in the wilderness, man, I go I, I build a flat rock chimney. Yep. Flat rock chimney, man. I'll, I'll put build a flat rock chimney, put put a little bit of a you know a fire under that that nice you know one inch to one and a half inch flat rock, big enough to sustain you know a, a single fish or a or a squirrel or something, man. So I'm so I'm not having to build a you know. A cooking mechanism like a spit you know I don't have to I don't have to use a spit I can just use a I can use a flat top you know cooking rock yep. and and, it, and you know people I've talked to like you can't cook on a rock well I guarantee you can because I do it all the time yep. <laughs> a, a rock will heat up you know on top on top of a fire you know just it, you know it'll, it'll it, you can cook on top of a rock <laughs> <laughs> cavemen did it we can do it yeah we, we can do it I mean there's evidence so and it's it's having these small skill sets man like this past weekend um, it snowed and it was raining and it was nasty and all this and all that if you're stuck out in the woods and you don't have dry kindling you're screwed you know one of the best ways in you know especially here in Virginia if you can't find dry kindling find a pine tree Fatwood. Find a pine tree, scrape that bark off that pine tree, and one of the one of the one of Mother Nature's best accelerants is pine sap. Get that pine sap, man. Light that pine sap on fire, and then and then build build up from there. You'll get there. It's gonna take a minute. You ain't gonna freeze to death. Nope. But you'll you'll get there. My dad used to love fatwood. He used to love telling us to go find some fatwood. Georgia, it rains whenever you don't want it to rain. It just it just does. It just, it's just, rains at the worst possible yep, time. Absolutely. So like going on our little scout um, camping trips, and we were a pretty active troop when my dad was the scoutmaster. Every month we were on a camping trip. Every single month, so every single season we were we were there, um, and. When it what what did it do every single time we went camping? It fucking it fucking rained. It got <laughs> every single time. So my dad would be like, "Go find some fat wood," and we'd run out into the woods, you know, go out a couple miles or a quarter mile or whatnot from camp, and there no doubt will be a pine tree that has fallen recently. Oh <laughs> you, yeah, you go right and you see that nice pink orange core just sticking out of the ground. Absolutely, and. It, of course, what do boys love to screw around with? Saws and axes and hatchets. And we go to town, that short. sucker, and we pull that, and we pull all that fat wood out, and boom! In 10 to 15 minutes, we have a fire. Absolutely guaranteed. Absolutely. And you know, another thing is, is that you know, one thing that kept me, kept my hands busy, last year uh, when I was up in the mountains, I made a, uh, I made a what's called a bull roar. It's a signaling device. So what you do is you you take a you take a 
I don't know, about a five, you know, five and a half inch, four and a half inch log. You know, whatever you can find. It could be pine wood. It could be, you know, whatever you find that's not absolutely rotten. Right? Mm-hmm. Split with split with your hatchet. Split it with your, your big camp knife. Do whatever you can do to get this thing apart. Right? And then whittle kind of like a boat-shaped piece of small wood. It's probably about an inch... Maybe about half an inch thick, um, three inches, four inches, five inches, you know, long, and then stamp some holes in the middle of it, and then take your take your 550 cord that I always keep with me. I always keep 550 cord with me. Anybody's gonna be going out in the woods, man. Five 550 cord is ten bucks. Yeah. Throw throw 500 yards of 550 cord, or you know, spend the you know spend the weekend before you know you're gonna go out, make a 550 cord ball, you know. Do whatever, but always carry 550 cord. So anyway, you stamp a hole in the back of this thing, and um, put that 550 cord through it. And have you ever seen the movie um, Crocodile Dundee? Yeah, yeah. You know when he gets on top of the top of the mountain and, and starts he, spinning that thing? Yeah. That actually it makes signals, that weird sound. Yeah, yeah signals yeah. the aborigines. Is that it? Yeah, that's called a bull roar. So it's actually, <laughs> it's actually, awesome. it's a, it's a, it's a signaling device. So if you ever if you if you ever are out somewhere and you are lost and you think you're anywhere near, you know, a, a populated area or you think somebody's out looking for you if it's been two or three days, mm-hmm. get up somewhere high, man, and whip this thing around a few times. It makes an ungodly, unnatural noise. So <laughs> I mean, it's, they're absolutely fabulous, and you can actually make them at home and and throw them in your bag. I mean, just go get a go get a um. Go get a piece of um, like two by uh, two by six or two yeah. by four, yeah, yeah. And, and make one make one at home. They're 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 awesome. So when your cell phone's dead and you don't have any service, or you don't have a whistle, or you know something like that, yeah. God forbid, you know you've got some type of signaling some device. Some type of signaling they're, device. Like, they're they're fabulous. Well, another thing I I love about understanding survival and being in a survival structure. You're same same way. It's like the mindset that you develop over time, practicing these skills, teaching these skills, and, and utilizing these skills. And one aspect of it that I really enjoy is versatility. Absolutely. Being able to look at everyday, ordinary objects and seeing the potential on how they can make your life better when you're stranded and alone. What can you do with it? <laughs> I love that aspect of looking at your, oh God, let's just say. Weave a basket, make a backpack. Correct, yeah. You know, make a backpack frame, you know, freaking make you a little, make you a little table or, you know, something up against the tree to hold whatever, your firewood to keep it off the ground. The, the idea of that rock chimney and, yeah. your, and the coals of the fire, putting it underneath your sleeping place so you know, oh, it's cold out. It's, and you feel the temperature drop, you might need a little extra warmth underneath you to Absolutely. keep your ass alive tonight. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, right there, that understanding that versatility, seeing a safety pen, a little tiny little safety pen, and understanding yeah. it can be used as a fishing hook. Yeah. No sleeping bag? Man, there, there's, you're full of pine trees, man. You take them pine branches down, layer that, layer that sucker with pine, with pine needles. If you're cramping, you can use the pine needles, the pine sap, make a tea. Yep. There's vitamin C in there. Absolutely. And electrolytes that can help you relieve your cramp. Absolutely. Like, and then all that knowledge, all that information, that versatility, like that is what truly brings out the confidence of being able to go into the woods with little to nothing and be comfortable. Oh, absolutely. And survive through it. I absolutely there's, love that. There's actually a book at Sportsman's Warehouse. Um, that I picked up, I lost it in the move here to this house. Um, I'm gonna have to replace it. It's um, it's uh, uh, medicinal, um, like the medicinal it? medicines. Yeah, it's a medicinal medicine mm-hmm. plant book, mm-hmm. and it's all of the plants that are in the state of Virginia. Oh, I mean, that's that means awesome. it's just absolutely awesome. This book is this book's half in, uh, you know inch and a half thick. And it's just, it's got every single use for peat moss, pine sap, you know, 
All the little every, every you know everything that you can get here, um, it and it's 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 awesome. That it's, that, it's a that good is look. A, that is a kick-ass skill. Understanding herbology, and what certain plants can do for you. Oh, which ones can absolutely paralyze you? Which ones can kill you? <laughs> there are some here in the state of Virginia that if you make it into a tea and drink it, you'll go blind. <laughs> Um, all, all kinds of crazy stuff, but it's, it's, point, it's, a, it's an absolute crazy book. I mean, it's even got marijuana in it. <laughs> so, <laughs> I don't know too many people that are out, you know, knocking around the woods, find a, find a natural thing of a uh, pot, but <laughs> well, there's, there's, <laughs> that can be comforting if you find it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like in Afghanistan, you come across those fields and you're just like, you look at it, they're eight to 12 feet tall and you're walking past them and you're like oh they my got on god the size of your forearm. oh god yeah and you're like oh my god but and you're thinking back to your high school days where you used to smoke pot and you're like holy shit <laughs> man and then then you look back and you see your ana just plucking these bitches off yeah. <laughs> the damn stocks and rolling and smoking right in front of your yeah, face right there and you're like Bruh. <laughs> Come on, man. Come on, man. <laughs> Tease? Jesus. Oh, man. We used to have those jokers freaking smoke that shit on base all the time. You know that wafting smell comes into the dang oh, tent? Yeah. just smacks you in the face. And you're like, oh, someone's burning, man. And you're like taken back to a like, is this California? Oh, no. Fuck, we're still in Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah, still here in the shit hole. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, Jesus. Those guys. Now, I remember this one time, uh, oh, our squalier comes back to the, uh, the COC, and he's like, he's super pissed off, right? He's like, fuck, man. Fuck the A&A. Fuck these guys. They're a lazy bunch of sons of bitches. Fuck these. I'm like, bro, 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 calm down, calm down. I'm, since I'm the Intel geek, I got a... a debrief them right and i'm like okay man what's the patrol what happened you know tell me what tell me what's going on and he tells me this story joker these two jokers and their a and a detachment light up a blunt so fat that it nearly tranquilizes them and lays them out on the side of the trail <laughs> And they're out in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Smoking a doobie, they can't even get their mouth around. They're, they're out in the middle of nowhere. They, they pass the pot fields like a few miles back, and they're out. And this is the wintertime, so there's no foliage. There's no microterrain. The, you know, the the mud fields are all thick and hard rock. And, and they they just lay out on top of the, the dang freaking wadi, and they're just, they pass out right in the middle. Right, and the squad leader has... 20 minutes trying to wake these guys to get them to, f- to finish the patrol because he's been out there for f- for two and a half weeks. He's tired. He hasn't had any sleep. He's been on watch the and night before. Really and these, 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 these guys are just done. And he finally wakes them up and he turns like, hey man, we gotta go back. We gotta go back to the base. We can't be out here where targets this, that, and the other. And the, the A&A guys kind of like said something and he looks at his translator. Translator says, they're going to just stay out here. They don't want to come back. And he was like, fine, screw this. I'm done. We're leaving your asses. And he just, <laughs> he just took off. See ya. <laughs> Tired of wasting my damn time. Oh, man. So that was that was, that was a fun uh, debrief. <laughs> I included included those little notes, you know, in, yeah, in my in my little intelligence report, and I decided to whip that sucker on up to the higher <laughs> command. No one stopped it. It went all the way to the freaking division, man. I was like, check that out. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that was always fun. Oh, like the time I read that uh, uh, some some Joker decided to bite the head off of a bat. Yeah. <laughs> not telling you about this oh man uh, so they were we operated in uh, what was the province can't remember I want to say, is Marja the province uh-huh. okay right so it's, the province? yeah so it's Marja province and um, in Marja you know, all the little fun districts we were in Trekno and Sangin um and Trekdal is right next to Sharmagal or something like that. Mm-hmm. 
uh, where the British were and the army decided to change over. And then right next to that was, I think, Marja Center, um, which was a huge hotbed. It was a city, a town that everything proliferated through. And the Marines were only in the Helmand Province. Ah, it's Helmand Province, excuse me. Yeah. Helmand Province. Um, the Marines were there because that's where all the damn poppy grows. Yeah. So you had Marja was a single unit was there. And then further south, you had two more units. I can't remember the districts. There was two districts. They're really long and really skinny because they bordered what was known as the Green Zone, or the only place where foliage grows on the damn river, Yeah. all the way to the border. How about the Argonaut River? Uh, that was I, in Panjway. That's what um, the, the the route of Panjway route yeah. you know, followed the Argonaut. It might have been. It might have been. I can't, for the life of me, <laughs> yeah. I can't remember the names right now. But um, that, that whole river, there's two units that split it up. And at the very bottom, the border, there was first LAR or the LAR units. Yeah. Yeah. You know, lost and retarded. But... <clears throat> Now you're here and over there. We had two infantry units in between. And one of those infantry units, so bored out there because they've been doing nothing but screening patrols and nothing was passing through their AO, nothing was going on for months and months and months, this Marine decides, out of a dare, to bite a head off a bat. <laughs> one bored-ass Marine. And, there's and two, I, know, I know, shit gets boring there real quick. <laughs> there's two fucking reports from this cat. One one day was the report that this Marine bit the head off a bat and that he was in quarantine with the corpsman at the, at the cop. <laughs> and then the other one, other report was that they were calling in for an EVAT because they are concerned for rabies. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> so you got EVAC. They just see how loved him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I bet he wrote his ass up oh, so yeah. fucking fast. I bet. There's not really too much you can take from a Marine while you're still stationed in Afghanistan. Very true. Very you, gonna, you gonna take away his PT time? <laughs> <laughs> you, gonna take, you gonna take away his, uh, his, uh, you know what? His, his Mac, his, uh, Chili Mac. No, he, Marie's been No eating. more Chili Mac for He's you. He's been eating for like six weeks. And <laughs> he's so tired of it. You know, you know what? I bet this is what happened. I bet he was. I bet he was sitting on fucking post, and I bet he was out of smokes, and like on his last out of, like, can of dip, out of his last <laughs> little can of dip, like licking the freaking can <laughs> to stay awake, right? And I bet he was just like, "Fuck this shit, man! I'll do anything. I'll do anything to get the fuck out of here. I just need some fucking <laughs> sleep." Wipe that off his back. <laughs> like, hey man, we caught this bat. You know what? I'll do. I'll. I'll do you one better. I'll be. I'll go fucking. Uh. uh what's his face? What's his face? Uh. uh Ozzy Osbourne on that shit. Yeah. I'll find his fucking head off. And I bet they were listening to like fucking Black Sabbath that they did it. Just ah. And I'm like the fucking thing. I would like to be a fly on the wall and seen that. <laughs> that should have been awesome. I would love to track down that guy and talk to him. It'd be fucking awesome. But yeah, man. I'm still. But I'm. I'm. I'm pretty. Uh. Pretty upset about this. This last weekend, I didn't. I didn't get to go get out in the woods, man. I was stuck here at home. Hey, that happens. I was totally prepared, man. I was gonna go. I was gonna go. Actually, I wanted to go over Apple Orchard Falls, mm-hmm. and that would have been, dude. I, that would have been. That would have been awesome. Still got time. Especially since Still we had time. like the snow and the ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now that would have made that would have made that would have made things difficult a little bit. So. Tell me about a time where you were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> a time that I was like, oh, fuck. Where you're just like, now I'm in the shit. Now well, I... is, this, is this overseas or is this here out in the woods? Is this... Let's, let's, let's go with uh, just the first thing that comes to your mind with just, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck moment. All right. Well, this this is an oh fuck moment. This is uh this is in uh, Panjway, Afghanistan. Um, in 2012, we were uh, actually going down. Uh, we were in this small cop. Uh, in, it was actually uh, called Zangabad. Mm. So Zangabad is right off of Route Hyena. Um, I can't. Well, you have Southside, then you have. No, you have. Yeah, the Southside of the road, 
and then you have the north side of the road. So I think Hyena ran east to west, if I'm not mistaken. I could have that backwards. Um, but anyway, we were we were charged with um, clearing and keeping the insurgents out from uh, checkpoint 21, checkpoint 22, and and actually keeping the roads clear all the way from um, oh, Fob Lindsay to all the way to Spurwin Gar, which is the big, uh, it was a Canadian Army base mm-hmm. and a U.S. Army base all at the same time. So we had... So what, what was the distance of joint, that? Joint forces. Uh, three hours. Three hours. Yeah. So from Spurling Gar to um, Cop Sangabad, it was probably a 20-minute 20, 20 20 minute ride. Yeah. But we would leave Spurling Gar, drive down the road to Checkpoint 22, and we'd set up there for a few days, and we'd, brought, we'd watch the route, all this and all that. And we had actually had intel that the uh, insurgents had placed a if not one, but two recordless rifles mm. somewhere off of the road in the, in the grape fields. And we spent, um, we spent a good time, um, when we first deployed there, got deployed there, staying away from, from this area. Now, when we first got there, it was still, it was probably the last, the last little bit of winter, so summer hadn't really kicked off yet. Yeah, yeah. The the insurgents hadn't got mean and nasty yet. It's kind of slow. Yeah. Little pot shots yeah, here, yeah. Pot shots here and there. We'd get you know some PKC fire. We'd get some yeah, yeah. you know RPG fire, but I mean, it was nothing accurate. So we would um you know we'd hair and bone left, hair and bone right off the side of the road and return fire and then bounce. Yeah. Um, not really collecting collateral damage. Um. But anyway, so this one time, we were actually leaving uh, Checkpoint 22, and um, I was truck one with lead scout, and then um, truck two behind us actually got hit with a recoilless rifle. Oof. Actually got nailed in place. It's 81 but, Russians, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, big, big bitch. And it actually crippled the entire truck. Well... The rest of the convoy was cut off because once that truck got hit, it was just absolute pandemonium, man. I mean, what, what truck number was that again? Truck two got hit. Truck two. Yeah, truck two got hit. Uh, so for those who don't understand, uh, recoilless rifle is not a essentially a RPG which shoots a a, a shaped charge, uh, and it's not necessarily an artillery piece or mortar round which you throw down uh, this propelled charge down a tube it hits a base plate and then it, it pushes out it's kind of like an old-fashioned World War II bazooka right where you we load this this shell it's breech loaded it breech loaded like artillery shell into this thing and, and it's called recoilless because there's no recoil to think sort of and it just shoots out this artillery shell, or it can be shaped charges, depending on what they have. It's um, kind of like a cannon without a fuse. Right. And it just shoots out, and it's just gigantic steel or copper-shaped charge of hate hurling at you Absolutely. at ungodly scenes of feet per second. Yeah, yeah so anyway, truck, truck two goes down, and then we got truck three and truck four behind them. Um... And as soon as truck three pulls up to to actually recover truck two, uh, truck three hits um, a daisy chained IED, oh. which is is on a pressure plate. And just so everybody listening, their their way of thinking is is if they can cripple a convoy, um, they can take out all, all the members in the convoy. So what they do is they'll stop a truck dead in its tracks, and they actually sit on the side of the road sometimes, and they will watch us recover vehicles um, that are disabled in the road. So they know, hey, if they knock out truck number two in the convoy, truck three behind them is going to try and pull up, put a bar on it, and tow it out of you know tow it out of the danger zone. Yeah. And you know, of course, we can't we can't destroy a government-owned vehicle, you know, in a convoy right on the road. Um, 
it's there we can but there are certain criteria that has yeah. to be met before we can just start burning a truck down um so anyway yeah so recovery operations happened and truck three um hit a uh, pressure plate ied that in sense set off another um ied right up by my truck uh, which crippled truck number one now. So we've got truck number one crippled. We've got truck number two crippled. Three and four are, you know, three's crippled as well because it hit the it hit the, the the pressure plate IED. So now we've got only our medic and our um, our first sergeant in truck four um, with crew serve weapons, and that's pretty much about it. Oof. So being in truck being in truck one, um, me and. Uh, um, a guy by the name Brian, I'm not going to give you his last name. Um, we get up, we set up a mobile, you know, a mobile sniper unit on top of my truck. And Brian is actually on the hood of my truck in full kit, you know, trying to call out targets in a grape field. And that is just absolutely <laughs> ungodly <laughs> impossible. Grape fields are usually like six to eight feet deep yeah. um, with embankments. So it's, it's, it's absolutely terrible. So now, not only have we done hit three IEDs now, we're getting RPG fire, we're getting PKC fire, we're getting you know small arms fire, AK-47 fire, um, and we're in place in the middle of a road, trying our you know our damnedest to, you know, to fight back and repel these assholes. So that's when you're like, ah, fuck. Yeah. So Brian, <laughs> Brian's on the mic. Brian's on the mic, trying to get. Um, trying to raise our our, our, our our fourth unit, which is our, our first sergeant in the back with uh, with his team. And luckily, we've got a Mark 19 on, on, on truck four. So truck four is swinging both sides of the road, crossing fields of fire with a Mark 19, um, <laughs> which, is, which is, if anybody doesn't know this, is a 40-millimeter grenade launcher. Machine um, gun. Yeah, machine grenade gun. launcher. Grenade, grenade launcher. Yeah, absolutely. So we can, we can launch, we can launch, you know, HE high explosive forty millimeter grenades in all directions, you know, until until the until the barrel smoked, um, <laughs> which doesn't happen with, with, with that nope. gun. Yeah, nope. you, you can you can put round through round round through round round through round with that with that gun. Um, but luckily, you know, uh, we had we had uh, we had air that day. Oh, thank so God. We, uh, we actually had A-10 Warhogs uh, come in on station. Zooms. Um, Brian, was, Brian was talking to Fast Movers as I was sitting there with the, uh, with the uh, trusty 300 Wind Mag trying to uh, destroy targets out in the great field that I could barely see. <laughs> 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 but anyway, yeah, we, we, repelled, uh, we repelled them, and um, that, was, that, was a, that was a no-shit moment. That was... <laughs> that was one of that was one of those times that I was like, man, holy shit! I'm gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna meet my maker today, and our, actually our uh, RPL uh, who actually got out of the truck got out of truck four, um, no, he was in truck three, um, got out of the truck and was gonna go was coming to my truck when he caught RPG shrapnel uh, to his stomach. So not only <laughs> did we have not only did we need a medevac. We uh we were still trying to fight these assholes off, so that was a that was a complex day. That was that was a that was a no shit fuck me moment day. <laughs> so I've actually got I've actually got a video of it. I'll show you. Yeah, here, here in a little bit. Absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, well, <laughs> that was a that was a fuck you moment. So, <laughs> well, that is that is a good that's a good uh, we, oh fuck moment that yeah, to, to when, have. When you wake up in the morning, and you're like, guys, you know, let's go get into a gunfight today. <laughs> that was um, <laughs> that was, a, that was biting off a little more you could chew. That was a fucking gunfight. Oh god. So, like my my only recoilless rifle story. This is my only one. Um, not even my story. Uh, it was uh, uh, a logistics uh, group story. Uh, I would just so happen to be reporting this to our commander, and so I happened to talk to the guys that were involved. But this um, this logistics group, I want to say it's I want to say it was like the fourth combat engineers with like the seventh combat engineer, you know, battalion. I don't know something something like that. Either four or seven. I don't know who it was, but they were doing a logistics convoy down to so those two units down that that 
that freaking green zone uh, all the way down to the bottom to resupply LAR and resupply all the units coming back up, all that stuff. Well, anyways, these two units were always finding intelligence because yeah. for some reason, for some reason, company level intelligence is awesome. Yeah, I don't un- I don't understand it, but like, it was better than battalion. It was better than divisional intelligence. We, they just found awesome stuff, and they had reports for the last several weeks about a stupid recoilless rifle that was working its way through both provinces between these two units. Finally, it shows the fuck up, and they shoot it at a. Uh, at these marines, this logistics unit that got broken down on the side of the road. It wasn't an IED, wasn't anything crazy like that. It's just the freaking truck up in and just broke the fuck down. It happens. So these guys did a little square formation and were out there all day, uh, all night, fixing the dang truck and then limping it back to, uh, to base camp. And they were doing a dismounted patrol, doing a sweep, naturally, as part of their, their, uh, their ROEs and their you know, SOPs. And out of nowhere, this Marine gets taken off his feet, flies 12 feet back with the report says, lands. They had no idea what the hell happened. And recoilless rifles is not as loud as an RPG. It doesn't have a, cert- doesn't have a certain signature. Yeah. It's just, boom, it hits. Yeah. And they had no idea what the hell happened. He had his flat Kevlar whole nine yards and his weapon. It hit everything. His weapon and his flak. Disintegrated his flak. Disintegrated his weapon. Marines alive. Holy shit, right? Like, what? They had no idea what hit them. Hit with an arc. And the, hit with a recoilless rifle. Hit with a recoilless rifle. Survives. Flak, Kevlar, he weapon. Trip home. Torn to pieces. <laughs> Dude flew through the air. No one knew what the hell happened. It's kind of like that the marine that happened in Fallujah stepped on that stepped on that mine and blew him like twenty feet in the yep. air. Yep, and he survives. Blew. Like what? What's going on that day? But anyways, the only reason why they knew it was recoilless rifles because these dudes over icon chatter. Those don't know. It's just a single. You know, it's a two-way walkie-talkie sort of mm-hmm. thing. The infantry unit who had assets quotes, air quotes here, assets that collect on that sort of stuff, uh, discover, they were using the vernacular that described this freaking recoilless rifle that was walking down the AO. And that's how they knew it was a freaking recoilless rifle that struck this dude. Damn. They found the shell, and this dude survived this, this encounter. I, was, I always thought, man, I want to shake that guy's hand and be like, holy crap. Buy the guy beer. Lucky son of a bitch. Let me, rub, let me rub your tummy and get some of that <laughs> out of me. That, that is incredible yeah, right absolutely. there. That is an incredible story. Absolutely. But uh, that's my record of the trifle story. Oh, I was going to... Now, yeah. let's, let's digress a little. I was like, pump the brakes and little. let's... Let's go to like. What is the the best hunting experience that you've ever had? It doesn't have to be like the biggest trophy or whatnot. What was just the best hunting experience, hands down? <clears throat> best hunting experience. All right. So I grew I grew up here in uh, in the in the state of Virginia. My, my entire life and grew up hunting with my dad and my granddad um, God rest his soul he died um, he passed away five years ago um, uh, my grandfather was was probably one of probably my best friend he was the reason I joined the military and he taught me how to fish you know alongside my dad um, he they, they'd take me out in the woods we'd go camping um just, just, just everything, um, everything outdoors I ever did was with my dad and my granddad, and we had this. My granddad had this friend. Um, his name was Jim DeBorg, and he had a he had a hunting cabin out in Craig County, and we would we would always go there to to hunt. We would you know go up opening day of rifle season and you know have a blast. 
Well, anyway, so I was probably about 12, 13 years old, and I'll, I'll remember this for the rest of my life. I didn't kill anything this day, but I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll never forget it. So, usually, back when I was a kid, opening day of firearm season always came in on the 16th of November. Mm-hmm. Always. And in November back then it was it was always just frigid cold. It's not like it is now. Yeah. You know, sometimes in, in November you can sit in the you can sit in the woods. You know, in um in just a long sleeve shirt and your hunting pants and, and be just fine or you know, some years you can go out here and be bundled up like the kid on a Christmas story and not be able to move your arms still freeze to death. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, that's 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 what it was like. Um that's what it was like this day that I'm telling you about. So we're all out in the woods, and my dad um, leaves me underneath this underneath this tree, and you know it's like said, son, I'll you know I'll be back. I'm gonna go to my tree stand. My granddad's gone. He's sitting at his tree stand. So I'm just sitting there, just watching. Nothing's happening. Sit there, sit there, sit there. Nothing's happening. And eventually, I fall asleep. Yep. Eventually, I fall asleep. So, next thing you know, um, it's it's late afternoon, and I I've done gone from my back resting up against this tree to me being sprawled out flat on my back, <laughs> you know, curled up, <laughs> curled up on 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 the on the floor in the woods, and I wake up to my dad, my granddad. And my dad standing over top of me, just kicking me in the you know, <laughs> nudging me in the arm with their foot. And they're like, oh like, son, you're not gonna see anything sleeping in the woods. <laughs> so that's probably that's probably one of my it's probably my one of my best hunting stories. You know, that's one you know that I'll never forget. And you know, it's not like that I you know I killed some extravagant deer nah. or anything like that. But yeah, I would say that. Um, that that night, freezing to death, with my dad and my granddad, and they're like, "No, we can't start a fire. It's too windy, and it's colder. It's like sixteen degrees." Oh. And you know, we're all in this. We're all in this like three person. You know, this three person tent. My my granddad's in the cabin with with Jim, and I don't, God knows what they're in there doing. They're they're both military guys as well, so they're probably in there, you know, drinking drinking whiskey and getting drunk and me and my dad are out in this two person tent you know freezing to death and get up in the morning and I end up falling asleep on the ground in the woods all day so that was you know that's that's, that's probably one thing I'll, I'll, I'll never forget as long as I live it was a uh, it was a pretty cool day but it's like the, those those moments where like you, it's something about suffering you know <laughs> it's, I don't know what it is but something about suffering yeah. in good company you hold for the rest of your life. Oh yeah, As it's oh, something it about was, it. It was fabulous. And it's something uh, that I usually share with. Uh, I think my son gets tired of it when we go <laughs> when we go hunting. I'm like, man, you know, I remember when I was your age. You know, my granddaddy and dad were, well, your great grandfather and your grandfather were sitting there, and I woke up in the you know woke up late afternoon being kicked by both of them. <laughs> Waking up in the woods as, as my as my seventeen year old son sitting beside me in a tree blind, <laughs> snoring his ass off because he's bored to death. So it's all about the experience. But yeah, and then um, probably one of my second ones is I took my youngest son. Um, well, actually, not my youngest now. Um, my youngest son's Gunner. He's seventeen months old now. Um, but his his brother Christopher. I took him um, bow hunting on the first day, opening day in October. I love the story. And so we're driving, we're driving to our family farm, and we're getting down the road, and right before you turn on the road to our, you know, to go to our farm or the, you know, the family farm, um, we see these two big. You know, at least eight ten point bucks. Oh. Just standing like right off the side of the road in this, oh. in this, in this guy's field, <laughs> and it's probably like seven o'clock in the morning. It's you know that's we were late getting in the woods. We gotta stop and get him breakfast. 
But yeah, it was already daylight, so you could so you could see these bucks just standing right here in the field. It was, I, I probably could have, you know, used a slingshot and shot one of them in the ass. <laughs> but yeah, they were just standing out in this field like, haha, you really can't do nothing because we're on somebody else's property. <laughs> so Chris was like, all right, well, let's hurry up, let's hurry up, Dad, let's let's get in the woods, let's get in the woods so we can hunt. So anyway, we get to the we get to the farm, we get everything unloaded, we're, we're going. We're going <laughs> My son's actually here now. He's laughing because he knows it's true. We're standing on the side. Of the, we're we're walking up the we're walking up the hill. And we get in the woods, and he's like, "Where are the deer?" So, <laughs> as soon as we get down, as soon as we get down the hill, you know, right to where I've got this little, you know, one person, two person little blind, this ground blind's at. All you see is this white flag just pop up. <laughs> <laughs> And this deer jumps down the, you know, jumps down the side of the road. You find it with me before, so you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, on the other yeah. side of the logging road. Oh. So anyway, jumps down the road, and we're, uh, that's the only thing we've seen all day. But anyway, Christopher's sitting in the, sitting in the blind on the ground, and he's like, where are the deer? Are the deer here yet? When are we going to kill a deer? Where are the deer at? I'm bored. I'm bored, Dad. Can we go? And it's like not even an hour into hunting yet. And he's done eating like all of his snacks. He's sitting over there with a with a can of you know whatever. I can't remember what he had to drink, but you can hear the top one go. <laughs> We're sitting in the middle of the woods trying to be quiet. And Christopher's over here with you know beef jerky paper rattling, trying to eat a bag of chips, freaking drinking his soft drink. You know all this and all that, all this and all that, and so we sit there for just a little bit longer, and you know nothing comes, nothing comes. And he's got my cell phone in his hand. He's he's trying to play a game <laughs> on my cell phone. And <clears throat> next thing you know, you know, I look over at him. He's trying to Google something. <laughs> it's like, dude, we don't have we don't have reception up here. There's there's no cell phone reception up here in the woods, so he can't use Google. But he, you know, I look at the Google search engine, and it says, <laughs> "How do I get out of here?" <laughs> <laughs> Says Google, get me out of here. Oh, <laughs> and then, you know, I look at Christopher, and you know, I was like, all right, it's time to go. So from the time I think we got up that morning, like six o'clock, we were back at home by nine. Oh, jeez, <laughs> nine in the morning. Oh. We got home at one. We started. At, like, what is that thing doing? Shh. It's so. recording. Bye. Well, I think that's a, that's a quite a lot that we've done today. Yeah. I mean, I, we'll wrap it up, but I'm yeah. definitely going to be doing this again. <laughs> There's plenty of stories that we got to get don't, through. Don't take your little ones hunting. <laughs> don't get anything done. <laughs> but it's always an interesting experience. Uh, absolutely. Always. All has been fantastic, Steve. We're definitely going to have you on again. All right, bro. All right. Good deal. Thank you for listening to Badass Adventure Radio. If you liked the episode, please give us a review on iTunes and check out our Instagram and Facebook at Badass Adventure Company. If you really like what we have going on here, think about becoming a member of our Patreon. It's just a couple of bucks a month and it goes to the production and the creation of all shows. Your membership will include exclusive early access to all podcasts extra podcasting shows that don't make it to iTunes or Google Play, and exclusive clips, yearly rewards, and more. Check it out at Patreon forward slash Badass Adventure Company. Thank you, and till next time, go out there and get it.